right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a, I don't know, New Year's Eve roundtable uh, discussing one of our favorite movies that's come out uh, in the year 2021, and that is Spider-Man No Way Home. And I am your host, Jesse Starcher. What we're going to do tonight is, hey, we're just going to talk about the movie. We've been anticipating this movie for, well, most of 2021. And uh, now we get the opportunity right here on the Rattle Itch and Broadcasting Network to kind of sit down in a roundtable format and just talk about some of the fun stuff that we got to experience and the movie itself, what we thought of it. So, uh, of course, uh, you know, this is a roundtable. I'm not alone. Joining me this evening is David Wright. He's, uh, you can catch him right here on the network doing some Star Trek retrospectives and He's hung out with me and uh, Alexis, Hannah, and myself on Tripped Up Trivia. David Wright, are you ready to talk some Spider-Man No Way Home, buddy? I am ready to talk some Spider-Man No Way Home. All right. I love it. Great answer. Like all this year, I was just, get me tickets to (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. Benjamin J. Cologne joined me on an epic source material comics adventure. We'll just put it that way, where he and I talked about Marvel's 2014 event Spider-Verse and of course he had to get in on the action tonight to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Benjamin, glad you're here tonight. Are you ready to talk some Spider-Man No Way Home? I am, but uh, in this case I'm going to try to mute my mic as much as possible to keep this podcast from having a snowball's chance in hell of go of staying under 3 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, we got one more person this evening. You've also heard him on the Source Material Comics podcast, hanging out with me and Mark Radlich. You could check out his blog, asterisk51.blogspot.com, where his most recent article, I know he's working on one right before we started this, but his most recent article, as far as I could tell that he shared on Facebook, was The Thing and Ghost Rider Save Christmas. So, Evan, listen, I'm glad you're here. Are you ready to talk about some Spider-Man No Way Home? I'm ready to do whatever a spider can to make this right. podcast a success. <laughs> you know, I, I did a little uh, preparation. We'll, we'll just say I, I, I'm used to doing my own show source material, so I always open things up with a synopsis of what happened, but I'm not going to go into mega detail as to the events that occurred in this movie. I'm just going to give you a real brief overview of what of what the plot is. Uh, you could check out the Damn You Hollywood version of Spider-Man No Way Home for more details about the plot. I'm sure Winfrey probably laid it all out there. Thorough job, but spoilers anyway. We're going to spoil the heck out of this, <laughs> in this discussion. That's right. That's right. The the synopsis may be broad, but trust me, we are jumping into details when we get into the discussion. Um, So here we go. That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Uh, Peter Parker, also known as the superhero Spider-Man, has just had his identity revealed and blamed for crimes he did not commit. Seeking help from the enigmatic Doctor Strange, Peter asks him to craft a spell so that no one will remember that he is Spider-Man. Unfortunately, the spell goes wrong, and as a side effect, Spider-Man villains from other universes 
have now made their way into Peter's reality, ready to wreak havoc in Spider-Man's life. I'm leaving it right there. That's it. There's your there's your synopsis, folks. Like I said, not too detailed, but let me go down the cast of this film. All right. So we have Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, uh, Zendaya as MJ, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, uh, Jacob Batalon, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, or Batalon, portraying Ned Leeds, John Favreau as Happy Hogan, Jamie Foxx reprising his role as Max Dillon slash Electro, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn slash the Green Goblin, Alfred Molina, uh, also Dr. Otto Octavius or Doc Ock, Benedict Wong as Wong, uh, then we have Marissa Tomei as May Parker. All right. Spoilers. Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Toby Maguire. Yes. Yes. I'm so confused. <laughs> Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Now you're seeing triple, buddy. Yeah. Wait, wait. What, more? J.K. Simmons coming in with, uh, of course, with J. Jonah Jameson. I, I know I'm going to butcher this person's name, and it's a brief appearance here of Rice or Reese Ifans as Dr. Kurt Connors slash the Lizard and Thomas Hayden Church as Flint Marco or the Sandman. So a lot of those uh, actors slash actresses have a little bit more uh, of a role to play in this film than some of the others. Uh, but uh, that's how we're going to start this off. I just gave a big rundown of the cast. So we're going to start with Evan Bevins. I want to know, what was your favorite performance of the movie? Oh, God. My, my favorite performance. Part of me wants to say J.K. Simmons just because I think, to me, he's on the Mount Rushmore of comic book movie casting for his mm -hmm. original Jameson work. But uh, I don't know. He, he, he didn't chew quite as much scenery in this one. I mean, I, I think I got to go with, with Tom Holland, you know, okay. continuing to sell it as, as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Throwing it over to you, David. You got a, a favorite performance there? I guess I'll do the, the standard thing and go with perhaps Andrew Garfield. It was nice to see what he could do with uh, like an actually a good script. Oh, man, I, I could tell you that it was a trip, number one, to see him show up. And then, of, of course, you know, I, I can't say that I wasn't expecting it because... The worst kept secret in Hollywood for the year was that uh, Andrew Garfield would be showing up. Right, right. I managed to not have it confirmed. Like there okay, were very few things yeah. in the movie that that totally shocked me, but but I didn't know for sure that it was going to happen. Yeah, like okay. I, I don't need to see another Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. It's just it was kind of nice that he he got a decent ending. Mm, right. Oh yeah. I, I got to say that the NDAs that Marvel must make these guys sign, like, must be, they have to be able to, like, take your house, your newborn, your, like, newborn children, <laughs> like, everything you own, if you breathe a word of, you know, what, you know, something that they want secret, if you breathe a word of it to anybody, they must be able to take everything you own. Like you said, it's the worst kept secret, you know, in movies this year, but not for lack of effort. Right. Yeah, the, the real secret wars at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Benjamin, tell me uh, who stood out to you here amongst the cast. What was your favorite performance? I think I have to give credit where credit is due. Willem Dafoe, the, that performance reminded me a little bit of like when, when Harrison Ford came back in, in Force Awakens and just picked up Han Solo like it hadn't been 30 years since the last time he did it. Right. Well, I, uh, I would not bat an eye if I if someone had just told me that right after filming like the first Raimi Spider-Man, they just got Dafoe off to the side and filmed all of his scenes in this 
this movie. <laughs> yeah. If if anything, he surpassed that that role in, in 2002. He got to do more with it. He got to be even more of, you know, this this megalomaniac. And, you know, you needed a strong villain even among the, you know, the murderous row of villains you got in this movie. And, yeah, Willem Dafoe delivered. Like, I, I don't know if anybody else could have the way that he did. Okay, can I change my answer now? Oh. <laughs> I, I liked your argument better. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely gets the award for the most villainous villain in, in this piece. Right. Is any other people you wanted to talk about that you were impressed with? I mean, it, Alfred Molina as as Doc Ock, it, it was nice to see that they didn't just they didn't just use his face and say like, well, this is this is Doc Ock from from another universe. I mean, he also kind of picked up uh, where where he left off in, in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. You know, because um, I, I know um, like with spoiler alert for this. You guys all caught up on Hawkeye? Oh, yeah. I am. I don't know about the rest of the crew. Benjamin? Yeah, just a okay. couple of days ago. So with the Netflix uh, characters, you know, we get uh, Matt Murdock back in this and Wilson Fisk in Hawkeye. I don't know that it's been confirmed yet that they're the same ones or just a, you know, the same face in a different part of the multiverse like like J.K. Simmons is. But I mean, with Defoe and Alfred Molina and all the all the villains that showed up, they, they continued those storylines. They didn't just put them in there for a quick pop of a cameo. And uh, so that 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 was really cool it paid you off for following all those spider-man movies and uh you know i i I always get bugged when they they pull the reboot trigger you know like like saying well hey those those movies you invested in they they didn't matter that's definitely not not what they did here and they didn't nobody was in there just for for a cheap cameo right Um, they they picked up the storylines even even the the storylines like spider-man 3 that launched amazing spider-man and uh yeah, I'm I'm still not quite over that, but uh, you know, but yes, see, seeing those guys back and and Alfred Molina was a was a welcome addition. Right. Yeah, I think Spider-Man Two is my favorite of obviously the the three. I think it's also a lot of other people's favorite of the first three. Uh, and Alfred Molina is a big part of that. Uh, his portrayal of Doctor Octopus was just fantastic. So yeah, I think well, overall, I think everyone in the in the cast did a good job with what they had. Uh, Marissa Tomei, I had to give her a bit extra. She she had a bit more heavy lifting to do this time around as Aunt May. Mm-hmm. I think she was able to to deal with all that. And uh, they did a good job of picking up things from the earlier movies, with the, possibly the exception of Electro and Sandman, mm-hmm. where, okay. where he sort of, yeah, whereas you know, Sandman starts off, you know, Peter, I'm here to help you. And then he's just kind of hanging around for you know an hour. <laughs> yes. And then and then and then he just goes away with all the all the other villains after Green Goblin gives his let's be villain speech. It yeah, it didn't make much sense for Flint Marco where you know he just wants to go home and see his exactly. daughter. That's all he yeah. wants. He doesn't That's want to take over wants. the world or get revenge or anything. He just wants to go home. Yeah. What's the quickest yeah. way to and, get there? Yeah, and yeah, Jamie Foxx, he 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 probably felt more than any other character like he was kind of just showing up and you know passing through like as, as Robert pointed out in the, the main review that yeah it, he didn't really match up like his mannerisms with with his character when he wasn't Electro he just kind of mm. seemed to just be Jamie Foxx hanging out on set mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, I I agree with the whole glad they weren't just a cameo each they felt like they mattered in some aspect to me anyway uh, I will tell you that I don't think I've watched Amazing Spider-Man 2 I think I've caught some of it I know the villains I know some of the uh, plot and obviously some of the big stuff that happens in it but uh, as for the characters and their portrayal I didn't you know I didn't know what to expect with Electro the job of the film was obviously for someone that hasn't seen that 
film, such as myself or any of the other films, is to make these people seem like they matter and not just, yeah. hey, I'm here. Everybody remember me and then I'm gone. Um, yeah. So he was more like a socially awkward, kind of nerdy character who had a bit of a fixation on Spider-Man. Mm hmm. And then he, when he gets his superpowers and Spider-Man doesn't recognize him, he kind of just freaks out and goes all evil. Okay. Sort of think Jim Carrey's Riddler uh, from Batman Forever. Yeah, Electro in this movie also gives kind of mention of the fact that he he is like he's different than he was in the other movie and he kind of knows it and he likes it. And that's one thing that's kind of motivating him to like, you know, not want to go back. So, I mean, they they try to they give a little bit of lip service to that. It's better than yeah, nothing. Fair point. It could have been better. It probably could have right. been better. But like just the fact that he's not necessarily, you know, he's the same person, but not necessarily the same body or not necessarily the same, you know, everything else. Uh, uh, same uh, certain things are different. It's a decent motivating factor if you're trying to you know move the plot along uh, faster than you, with all of these different characters and all these different motivations going on at the same time. Mm, I agree. I imagine I agree. they showed Jamie Foxx's hair from Amazing Spider-Man too, and he was like, "No, Pro <laughs> probably." Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're not doing the tooth effects for this. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, the the it was different, and they they did they did mention that, but it, they still even picked up on at, at least at least the storyline. You, you know, at, at one point when they first announced he was in it, I was like, so it's just going to be like, oh, it's Jamie Foxx, wink, wink. So mm -hmm. it, they they don't, definitely didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Benjamin, anybody else you'd like to talk about there from the cast? Tom Holland stepped up. I never disliked him as Spider Man. I think he's a he's a great Spider Man and a great Peter Parker. But he kind of came into his own in this movie and did a lot. Of, got to show a lot a lot more uh, of his acting than than he may have uh, done before. This was also the apology to and by Andrew Garfield, I think. Yeah, I think in this film, they sort of like Tom Holland's arc was sort of basically laying the groundwork for the more classical Peter Parker Spider-Man character. Mm -hmm. Where, in, you know, in, in most of the MCU films, it's sort of been him dealing with his relationship to Tony Stark in the Avengers. And this one, they kind of, you know, by the end, strip that all away and it's just back to him being your friendly neighborhood spider-man juggling being a, a young adult or teenager and a superhero at the same time right i, yeah, I mean so, I, so he, he had some good meat to to chew on there hey without further ado let's get into our round round the round table uh we're going to list our top three moments from the film so the way that this was going to work is that evan's going to list one david's going to list one and then benjamin's going to list one and we're just going to go from three and then two and then one and if anybody else has doubles or, or i should say if anybody else has one we might move that up a little bit and table it till we get to that spot but evan we're going to start with you buddy what's your number three moment from spider-man no way home number three and it's it, it's not it's not one of the bigger moments somebody already mentioned one that i was like oh i should have put that on there but but to me it it, it, it encapsulates a lot about the character after they do the spell after peter screws up the spell and he and dr strange together inadvertently endanger the multiverse he dr strange goes we're well, just gonna have to talk to him he goes wait wait i can talk to him the, 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 the problem was you know they didn't get into mit because of their connection to spider-man and dr strange you know is like what well, you wait you didn't even pick up the phone and try before you asked me to rewrite reality it, it's this great funny moment it's a human moment and it kind of I mean, aside from just being a good laugh, it, it kind of sums up Tom Holland's Spider-Man in, in all these movies. He's this kid who's in over his head and doing all these, you know, amazing, spectacular web of things. Um, 
but there's still so, so much he, he he has to learn. There's still the the little things that, that he hasn't figured out. And I, I just thought that was a a nice funny moment that that spoke to the character in the story. Yeah, how young and kind of inexperienced this kid is at life. Uh, you know, he's just like, well, I got a magician I know. I can have him fix the problem before you even just attempt or think that you could possibly fix it yourself. Yeah, it's a great way to shine some light on the character. Uh, anybody else have anything to add to that? I don't know if I'm going to get another chance to to throw this out there though. So, Do it. How convinced is everybody that that was the real Doctor Strange? Mm. I had that some I, questions. <laughs> I had my doubts when I saw the trailer. I seriously did. Seemed like, I don't know, some seemed off about the, off about his uh, portrayal of the character. Like, it just seemed, I don't know, it seemed more um, blasé. Ned walks through the door of his house, says, I can't believe I'm in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Doctor Strange replies... Neither can I. Uh, just, just saying. Ooh, oh, okay. Could be, could be some. Could be something. Could be absolutely nothing. I'm just throwing it out. Yeah. Now, remember, remember all those Snoke theories. Snoke. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or the, the play-by-plays of how much Luke Skywalker would just orgasm for eternity after seeing his old lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, remember how that all turned out? Yeah. So many happy people. Oh, yeah. man. Now, is the is the theory that it's uh, evil Doctor Strange from What If? That's a theory, I think. I think I've heard that one thrown around a little bit. Oh, that I, could... I, I just, I can't believe that that Doctor Strange would reference Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, you know, that seems out of character for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, make, the, make it make I, him a scroll. Our Doctor Strange, I can see him being condescending like that, but uh, I, doc- I, I don't know. I just uh, a Doctor Strange from the animated universe would absolutely know who Scooby Doo is. Well, he so, would know who he is, but but would he? I I don't know if he's capable of levity anymore. Okay, he's got a yeah. tentacle where his sense of humor used to be. <laughs> True. Who doesn't after these past couple of years? <laughs> I really can't argue with that either. (laughs) So that's number three for Evan Bevins. And David Wright, what's your number three moment of Spider-Man No Way Home? I'd probably say... Like seeing uh, Charlie Cox back as Matt Murdock was was pretty fun. Like I I, I I didn't know that that had been spoiled anywhere, so it was a it was a surprise to me. Now, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Are I, you I actually, am not I, being sarcastic. Okay, all right, all right. I, 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 you know, I heard whispers that oh yeah we, we might have Matt Murdock back with Charlie Cox, but mm-hmm. yeah I, I was hoping like oh you know, you know Peter Peter needs a, a lawyer in New York you know that'd be a good place to to put him. But oh yeah they actually went through and did that because I guess you know the the Netflix MCU shows have kind of been in limbo what's going right. on with them and i mean kingpin is a completely different conversation for another time but yeah. it was, it, and it kind of goes back to sort of the the old days of the mcu where you could just kind of have a, a character with a backstory and them just filling that particular role in the show like you know we need we need army guy to show up and you know it's it's thunderbolt ross to you know, to, <laughs> to those of us in the know but as for you know joe Sixpack just sitting in the audience shoving popcorn in his face it's like okay army guy got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or say, say, same with whenever Shield showed up. Yeah, you know, we're like, like, like in, in the first Iron Man movie, and Coulson's like, we're from the strategic homeland and tradition enforcement logistics theory or whatever it was, and I'm like, wait a minute, Shield, he he he's from Shield. Wow, like Shield's in this movie, and yeah. But, Again, if you don't know anything about Shield, it's like okay, government guy. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of nice, like okay, yeah, he he he's a lawyer with good reflexes. But you know, to all, those of us in he's the a know, really good attorney. Yeah, he's a really good attorney, and just the way you, you you see that you see that white cane in the foreground, and then 
you know, camera switches and it's him and yeah, he catches the rock through the window and yeah, you know, it was just a nice little happy moment of, oh, cool, you know, he's back. But I mean, uh, just the fact that, I mean, they could have, you know, thrown in a generic lawyer anywhere and what, what, what would that have done? We needed, we needed Matt Murdock or Jennifer Walters because there are no other lawyers in the Marvel Universe. That's right. That's yeah, right. Not, not when superheroes are involved. But yeah, and like I said, if you don't know, it doesn't matter. Like you're, he's yeah. a lawyer, a really good that lawyer. Jennifer Walters would have been pretty cool too, actually, if they yeah. thrown Tatiana Maslany in there like for five seconds. That would have yeah, been. Yeah, they're they're saving that for the series. Yeah, I'm just glad to see Charlie Cox back. I, I'm, I think like they they talked to Kevin Feige about that a little bit, and he said like if if Daredevil appears in any in anything MCU related, it will be Charlie Cox playing him. So that was kind of a confirmation of that. Yeah. Um, Ho- hopefully you know. he he signed the deal before making that statement because uh, I'd, I'd be up in my rates after that. To... <laughs> if there's if there's anybody who dots every I and crosses every T, man, like that's it, it's the it, it's uh, Kevin Feige. I. I yeah. I'm sure he's got it all sorted out and he's already signed one of those, you know, we'll take your soul NDAs. All right. That's all. Now we just need John Bernthal back. Bring oh, it, oh, man. Please. Ah, <laughs> uh, Benjamin J. Cologne. Speaking of, uh, I, you know, I recognize that and, you know, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> that's probably my number three. I wrote this down in my notes and it is what I elbowed my niece the second i didn't even catch this the first time i saw it but i in between i made sure to tell my niece the second time i saw it uh which is i wrote in my notes they did the thing which is uh they did the the three spider-men pointing at each other meme that was oh i completely missed that i did actually did too they actually do it i didn't catch it i didn't catch it the first time i saw it pointed out on twitter and then like now the second from the second time i like from now on i can't unsee it wow when they're doing you know Peter one, Peter two. They there's a point where they're all pointing at each other, and it's hilarious <laughs> if you know nice. what to look for. I told my I, I told my niece ahead of time like they're gonna do that, and like when they did it, we both kind of like they, you know they did the thing, they did the thing. You know? <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, that's crazy. Well, that was a surprise one right there. It took the whole panel by surprise. I like it. Uh, all right, well let's go to number two, Evan Bevins. Number two moment. Uh, number two. Um, I I had I had labeled as a uh, spider chat. Just uh. When they were all comparing notes, like, oh, what's what's the weirdest villain you've ever fought? Yeah, well, I fought this uh, black goo alien, and yeah. oh, I've been to space. Really? I uh, I just fought a guy in a rhino suit. I, that was that that was cool. I mean, that was just one example, but just the, the their whole interaction, like comparing notes on being Spider-Man. Yeah, I I, I kind of wonder. I figure most of it was scripted, but it it, it just seems so so natural and you know not 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 forced at all and right. just uh, y- yes. you know. Brought you right back to Maguire and, and Garfield in the movies, uh, even though I, you know, I haven't watched any of those for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say say what you will about the Marvel, the MCU writers, they understand like the the intricacies of the character interactions and what would happen with these characters as they are portrayed incredibly well. Yeah, like you would have thought, like, oh yeah, Bruce, you know, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark, they're both big science nerds. They're probably going to get along really well. Or <laughs> right. hey, the Winter Soldier has a robot arm and he's fighting with Rocket Raccoon. I bet Rocket's going to want that arm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> <laughs> to the spider chat that you're talking about, where they're comparing not only villains, but at one point, the to- Tobey Maguire version of Spider-Man shows his web shooters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so great. You, 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 you ever get web block? <laughs> It's like, does, it, does it come out of everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that was great. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I'm I really sorry if, if you're not comfortable that. talking about. It. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> what what really, caused it? Existential crisis. I really did enjoy that. Yeah, the interaction between all three Peter Parkers is great. And you know, I was just talking about the 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 previous couple of uh, Spider-Man movies on Long Road to Ruin, and uh, everybody has their favorite, but I don't think there has not been a bad live-action Spider-Man as far it's since the, you know Raimi's in 2002. They're all good actors. Andrew Garfield is a phenomenal actor by the way oh yeah and you get all of these guys together and they're just game for like you know just the the goofy interactions but also like a lot of the moments that have a lot of heart they're just you get three really good actors and these guys these three guys are three really good actors who have all led their own spider-man movie and done it well and you get them all together and everybody had their moments everybody had their moments of fun everybody had their moments of drama everybody had their moments of like you know gravitas you know what i'm saying the the movie itself the plot is it it can go all over the place i think it you know it has its moments where it kind of like goes off the rails but it kind of corrects itself eventually but the characters themselves the character interactions and just leaving you know leaving these 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 good actors to do what they do they left a lot of space for that and a lot of space for these guys to kind of play with with a lot of the meta stuff that in the wrong hands could be really really corny as hell but right like, it, it never Very got into that territory it never it never you never felt like it got into that territory it felt natural and it felt earned and it felt uh real you know it felt like it was not making fun of the idea of what's going on but it was just kind of like you know playing with it like you're right. in on the, you're in on the joke the joke is not having fun you. not making fun yeah. Yeah, it felt exactly. very natural. It didn't feel like they were forcing any any sort of references or moments. Yeah, yeah, and I do, and I do like how they uh, sort of had each Spider-Man at a different stage of their life. Like Tobey Maguire's was, you know, very much the elder Spider-Man who has kind of gone through most of the crap and has more or less gotten himself into a good place. Whereas Andrew Garfield, he's you know he's still trying to get over the the events of Amazing Spider-Man Two. I mean, he's he's getting there, but he's and then you've I, got Tom Holland, where it's like you know I'm still so messed up about what the heck is going on here. I don't think this is in the movie, but I know at a certain at one point where where Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are kind of talking about their relationship lives and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Maguire's the, like the Spider way, Dad. The the way Maguire, the way Tobey Maguire talked about like you know how things went, you know, progressed with you know you, we can assume progressed after Spider Man three between him and Mary Jane. At that point, I was trying to look at his left hand to see if there was a wedding ring on it. Ooh, I, that was a good I don't idea. think I don't think there was, but if the, that would have been that would have been very interesting. Mephisto confirmed. Well, <laughs> no. no. That, that brings me to my other Doctor Strange theory, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I can't remember if you mentioned that on Spider Verse or not, or if I we, did. We were just we, okay. All right. No, I did. Yeah, and I'm not convinced that my theory is wrong yet. Yeah. Yep. It, oh boy. Could be, oh. could be totally wrong. I could be totally talking on my rear end right now, but uh, I don't. I haven't seen enough uh, evidence that uh, debunks me just yet. So okay, I'm right. going to continue to have my fun on that. David Wright, number two, Spider-Man No Way Home moment. Yeah, I kind of, for my selection criteria, because I had to come up with this all of a sudden, was I just went with, like, what were the moments that got the most reaction out of me one way or the other? Mm -hmm. So for number two, I'd have to go with you know, Aunt May doing the 
you know, with great power comes great responsibility thing. Cause like, we have not heard those words pretty much since the first movie, <laughs> like the, the Raimi movie, you know, like, uh, you know, even in the amazing Spider-Man movies, Martin Sheen is like, yeah, you know, I got power. Uh, it's important. You know, <laughs> you know, he's just like the writers just, for some reason decided not to go with those lines, which I think is very Orsi Kurtzman here. You know, let's let's do everything except for what people like about this mm. or, you know, understand about it. But uh, yeah, which actually uh, kind of one 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 point that did annoy me was when uh, when they're doing the, the counseling session, when the, the three Spider-Men meet for the first time and Peter says, oh, the great power. And then McGuire and uh, and uh, Garfield say, you comes comes you know, great responsibility and then it's like oh yeah my aunt may said that to me it's like oh my uncle ben said that to me mine too is like no yours did not say that <laughs> he danced around it because the writers for whatever reason didn't want to say that and even in the <laughs> in the mcu movies where uh where you, you know they, they they don't really go into detail about peter's origins as spider-man in this one i mean i don't need to see him get bit by a spider and discover his powers for the this the, the sixth time but yeah, it was just kind of weird that they never just had him say, oh yeah, you know, my Uncle Ben taught me with great power comes great responsibility. I, I was okay with them giving the line to Aunt May. And I think, uh, you know, when that moment happens, like, holy crap, they're actually going to do this. You know, that, that got some emotion out of me. And well, part of me was also going like, no way did she survive after being, you know, cracked by the that glider. Right, she gets glider. up. She gets up. I, I, I'm doing the same thing probably a lot of people are. They're like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> Here we go. Let's get things started. And then she gets up and you get kind of swerved because you're thinking, oh, well, she's going to be fine. Oh, I should have known better. And then she dies. And you're like, she oh. Has the, she has the Matrix Revolutions death scene where Trinity has a monologue before she dies. <laughs> yeah, the Yoda death scene. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I don't know if real world physics that would happen, but we're, we're in the Marvel universe. So it's Marvel universe physics. So you know, I'm, I'm OK with that. But I did actually like that there was some actual consequence to having a non super person without any super abilities you know get hit by by a super weapon and not yeah. not make it in the end right she got thrown too i mean she got thrown pretty far uh it did not look healthy and when she got back up i was like oh wow all right yeah you'd expect at least par paralysis from that but yeah that's yeah. what i was thinking um, you said we got yeah. severe internal bleeding, but uh, so yeah, I didn't have any problems with her being the ones, obviously, to to her being the one to give uh, those words of wisdom to Peter Parker. Um, but uh, I, I, that was a very very important moment. I, I I I'd agree with you there at number two for sure. Evan Bevins, anything else to add on that? I did have a problem with it. Oh, all right. Well, let's hear well, it, buddy. I I didn't have a problem with her saying it, but. This has bugged me since Homecoming, which I loved, but I still don't think we've ever gotten an acknowledgement that there is an Uncle Ben in the MCU. Okay. Yep, and I true. understand the idea that, that, you know, this trilogy is his origin. They just moved all the Avenger stuff that we know from the comics as mature Spider-Man. They put it at the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I had, had no problem with Aunt May saying it, but... To me, Spider-Man without Uncle Ben, I mean, I mean, yeah, he, he's growing, he, he's he's learning, but Spider-Man without that lesson from Uncle Ben is like uh, Bruce Wayne being rich, but his parents not dying, or Clark Kent coming from Krypton, but not being raised by the Kents. To, to me, it's an important part of his origin that that that, that makes Spider-Man who, who he is. Now, maybe I'm maybe I'm overdoing it, but even when you know Garfield and McGuire say, "Oh yeah, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben," we've never gotten a confirmation that the there's an Uncle Ben. Now, okay. I, I've loved all three of these movies. I think they're great Spider-Man stories that don't rehash everything, mm -hmm. but that really bugs me. Okay. Obviously, the moment carried some weight, right? 
And oh yeah, no, it, it it was a great moment. I the scene was 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 well done, but if what it means is that Uncle Ben never taught him that lesson, that's what bugs me. Like I find overall in movies, they don't really understand how men are emotionally. Like they understand the action and you know getting the girl at the end, but when it comes to like any sort of like deeper stuff between men, they don't really seem to do that. You know, like like I think of you know movies like you know we we all know like in in Rocky Balboa, right? You know the 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 scene where he gives his son the speech. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, right? You know, yeah. like that hits you hard because you know this is like a father son having this moment mm-hmm. or like i even remember like in uh, the christopher robin movie when when christopher robin's reunited with Pooh and he's sort of talking about you know, you you forgot about me didn't you and he's like yeah i guess i did like you know that sort of focusing on the, like the relationship between friends and mm. you know mentors i think you know you see a lot of movies that are more targeted at women it's all you know it's romance right it's all about you know getting the guy or getting the ring and you know with men i think more if you want to kind of get at our heartstrings you need to sort of you know go with the friend and father root and yeah like and with uncle ben you sort of have that you know that sort of very dare i say masculine message of like you know life's tough and you got to be tough too and you you got to learn how to do the right thing and take your knocks and yeah like you know when you have great power there is great responsibility that comes with that and you need to you need to step up to the plate or bad things are going to happen when she said that i initially thought oh she's repeating what uncle ben told him not because aunt may can't i mean aunt may is a vital vital character to to spider-man but uh i don't know that just that that's that stuck with me yeah i'm not saying any of that to take away from the uh, the may peter relationship in these movies you know Full full points to them. They did a great job. I I do agree with with uh, with Evan to 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 an extent. I wish there would have been like a, like a some uh, explicit mention of Uncle Ben in in the MCU Spider Man universe. Yeah, I, I really I think it's wish just there was. This is, I think this is like our third reboot of Spider Man yeah. in like a, less than five years. So I think they're just kind of yeah. We don't want to re. Yeah, I I firmly believe like Ben Parker is a character like is a character in this Peter's past. They just for whatever reason just dance kind of like really dance around like his existence and and the nature of his existence. Yeah, like I'm not gonna blame anyone for checking their phone the next time you know George and Martha Wayne you know the pearls hit the floor in the (laughs) eye. Like it's just you know like oh we get it we know. But it's a little bit like you know his his whatever presence and whatever influence he's supposed to have on Peter just kind of is, is exhibited through Peter. What we talked, Jesse, we talked about this when we talked about Spider-Verse. Marissa Tormena's movie phrases that power and responsibility speech like I, like Stan Lee originally did in right. Amazing Fantasy 15. She specifically says, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Right. Peter's response to that is, I know. That tells me that he's heard it before and not from her. Okay. Is it perfect? No. Is it how I would have done it? No. Is it how I wish they would have done it? No. But it's something. And it goes back to, like, if you remember in um, in Captain America Civil War, he basically says the same thing in a completely different way. And the exact right. words are, when you can do the things I can, but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. That tells me that something bad happened and he feels tremendous responsibility for something bad that happened that has mm-hmm. caused him to do what he's doing. So you get the idea of Ben Parker in, you know, in the the the, the way uh, Tom Holland is playing Peter. You don't get mention of him, and I wish there was, but you get the idea of him. And I guess for now, that's kind of going to have to do. I think what yeah, they I'm do glad is you like... said it that way. You may have 
uh, headed off an entire uh, ranting blog post from me. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, now you're going to come up with a, with different content. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry to take the fun out of it. But no, uh, no, like, no. I also no, think I, that I, probably I, like probably when they introduced Spider-Man to the MCU, they're sort of like, let's just keep it vague. And then we'll sort of we can fill in the backstory later you know, as we need to. Given right. what there, happens. Was, there was one other wild thing that I like before I saw the movie at all. There was one like really wild off the wall theory that I had that I was hoping would happen, but I was pretty sure wouldn't. And that is that, you know, when we first see uh, when we first see Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he's masked and you don't see his face until uh, Tom Holland's uh, Peter sees him and he takes his mask off. And Peter looks at, to at uh, Tobey Maguire's face and says, wow, you look just like my uncle. <laughs> that would that would have maybe that would have been a little bit too much. But that was the theory that I had. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, we didn't need to see Uncle Ben. And I mean, that that's one thing I loved about about Homecoming. Like David said, with um, Thomas and Martha Wayne, we've seen that a million times. I mean, the only thing I liked about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is that they retold his origin in 30 seconds with animated stick figures <laughs> instead of rehashing something we'd already seen. I, I like the way that they've done this. These Spider-Man movies have not looked like any other Spider-Man movies, but I think all three have been quintessential Spider-Man stories. All right, Benjamin, number two, Spider-Man No Way Home moment for you. Your number muted, two. Yeah, oh, number two, I think I think this is where I'm going to steal one from somebody. Okay. Uh, number two is. Uh, yeah, okay. that was my number one. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to we're going to table that one. That should have been my number three. But... All right. Well, then we're going to number one. Then number one, Evan Bevins. What's your number one moment for the Spider-Man No Way Home movie? When all three Spider-Men agree, we're going to cure them, not kill them. Ah, yes. That's yes. because, I mean, that is, there's your great power and responsibility from May, from Ben, from whoever, from doing the right thing, even though Doctor Strange, if it was Doctor Strange, and everybody else, there was all the logic in the world that told him he didn't owe these people anything, he didn't have to save these people, he was endangering everything, but they're like, no, we can help them, we have to help them. Right. Most of them don't deserve it, and it's going to hurt, but that that's Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, I expected a lot from this movie, and one of the things that took me by surprise was that very concept. I don't know why it took me by surprise. I should have known better. I should have known it was in, you know, it's, it's in Peter's character to do something like this. But, you know, what we've got before is Spider-Man versus the villains, Spider-Man versus the villains, Spider-Man versus the villains. And I thought that's what we were going to have. It's just going to be Spider-Man versus a bunch of villains. And yeah, that's sort of what we get. But then it turns this, you know, it turns your expectations on its ear where he's like, no, I want to fix these people. And it even gets further solidified when Doc Ock gets fixed. And you're like, holy crap, this is this is what they're going to do. They're going to fix these villains and send them back. Um, I loved that part. That's probably why when I look at these three movies, that's definitely one of the things that stick out to me that make the, makes this one of my favorites of the of these three. Time you know, I, I guess we're all probably around generally the same age. I mean, I grew up superheroes didn't kill. And then, you know, I, I, I was looking back, I was watching um, Iron Man three the other day. Cause uh, eh, it's Christmas time and a uh, big Trevor Slattery fan, Tony Stark's dropping bodies left and right in those movies. Mm. And in some cases it, it, it can't be helped. You know I mean? He's, he's not going full Frank Castle here, but, but yeah, you know, you, you said you were surprised and, and maybe you shouldn't have been surprised, but you know, the, nowadays uh superheroes don't don't have that that you know code against killing That's now true. it's like well don't just you know like straight up murder the guy but uh you know 
stuff happens. Right. Like, I remember this is this is a generation before us, but like the I remember hearing that the Lone Ranger he would use silver bullets in his gun because they were expensive to sort of be like a, a symbol of you know the the responsibility and the weight of you know having to take someone's life. You know, like okay. you know, I don't point my gun at anyone for you know frivolous reasons. Like you know, it takes a lot for me to to go to that level of of dealing with someone. That's also, you know, a big thing about Spider-Man. Like, um, there have been, you know, there have been uh, Spider-Man stories where he will endure so much pain and so much, have so much pain inflicted on him, uh, on himself, so that nobody else has to get hurt. Like, and that includes villains. Peter Parker is above all uh, else a guy who just doesn't want anybody like does not want uh, to see anybody die and will do anything he can to prevent that from happening so this is like imminently in character for him and I'm glad that that uh, became kind of a you know pro- probably a one of the major plot points of this entire uh, movie uh, was just Peter's refusal to just let these characters die, no matter what they did. If there was a, if there was any way at all to help them instead of hurting them, he was going to find a way to do it. You know, that's 100% Spider-Man to me. I never really read any of the Spider-Man comics. Like most of my, what I view as my canonical Spider-Man is from like the nineties animated TV show. I'm not sure how closely that followed the comics or not. I guess it was somewhat. So that's kind of where I go from for my reference as to, you know, who Spider-Man is and, you know, what what he's had to deal with. But I think one thing I really like to in relation to like all the the villain fixed the villain moments was certainly yeah Alfred Molina when uh, when he fixes Doc Ock and and even better when he actually stayed fixed like right. I was so expecting when uh, oh yeah when Electro blasts him that it would fry the chip and we're back to evil Doc Ock but then he sort of you know comes in at the end with when Electro's about to beat them down and you're thinking oh no here it goes again and then no he actually uh, you know just disables Electro and uh, you know finishes you know like curing him of his his powers like i just it was, was kind of nice to have that subversion of the subversion of expectations i guess you could say where oh hey things actually worked out for a change and and, and even they kind of added in that nice little character moment where he's holding the arc reactor and he's like you know the power of the sun in the palm of my hand you know he, he, he got what he wanted in the end though not quite how he he was expecting it okay david wright this is your number one moment in spider-man no way home which also coincides with benjamin's uh number two moment of spider-man no way home just the way Garfield handled the, that moment of after he catches Mary Jane, like you could just sort of see like it welling up behind his eyes that, you know, oh, yeah. even though it's it's not Gwen Stacy, you know, it's not his girl. But, you know, this time I, I was there, I was able to to save the girl. And it was this lovely little you could sort of say like almost a healing moment for the character. And it was it was kind of nice to see him him get that where you know it, it almost retroactively like the way that Garfield is done in this, this show, it almost sort of retroactively fixes the some of the issues with the previous movies he was in. Oh. Yeah, like it was just this, again this nice little character moment, and yeah, you you kind you kind of feel for him because you know the, the issues that the Amazing Spider-Man films had, uh, the, the Gwen Peter relationship was not one of them. Like those two just lit up the screen with how much chemistry they had, and then they sold it so well. Okay, so so my daughter goes to see it like I don't know, probably about a little bit less than a week before I do uh, as much as I wanted to watch the film with her, she couldn't wait. So I was unfortunately stuck home working while she went to go and watch the movie. When she came home, she was 
bursting, just bursting with things to talk about, but couldn't specifically that moment right there. She talked about how emotional finally after I went and saw it, but she talked about how emotional it made her just to see that uh, kind of closure that uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was able to get by coming through and, and making the save. And, you know, I like I, I think, Jesse, you said you you hadn't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, I think that movie gets a bad rap for a lot of things. But the one thing that I think w- was totally unnecessary and I know it happens in the comics and I know they were trying to make it, you know, something similar to what happened in the comics. Given the and story they, they were telling up to that point, Gwen Stacy did not need to die in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, she and, pretty much tells you that she is going to at the beginning of the film when she, she gets sure, her, her, her address. By she the way, sure does. Like, pro tip, guys. Don't show that at the beginning of the movie and then show it again at the end. Show it again at the end when it's actually thematically relevant to right the theme on. of the film. Right on. Just based on the story that were they that the way the story had been going, she did not need to die in that movie. Least of all to a, an incarnation of the Green Goblin that they that the writers pulled completely out of their ass. Again, Orty Kurtzman. Yeah. It felt a lot like Spider-Man 3 in that it dropped a whole separate movie on you in the last 20 minutes. Andrew Garfield's part in this movie felt a lot like an apology, not just for Amazing Spider-Man 2, but it felt like an apology to Andrew Garfield for having to carry a movie that was so dead set on, you know, on destroying, you know, everything, anything good about it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's amazing how far you can go towards doing that in, you know, with just a just one very quick scene. If you've seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 and then you see that scene and you see Andrew Garfield, you know, saving MJ and how he gets choked up afterwards. And she's actually to the point where she's actually asking him, are you all right? If that doesn't get you in one way or another, you are made of stone. <laughs> You have no soul. Right. Or you have seen the amazing Spider-Man. Well, there's that. (laughs) There's that. It got, I think it got a lot of people. And, you know, I, I, that was one of the most applauded scenes in the movie. In a lot of theaters, you got the sense that they were full of people who had been watching since 2002. So they were right Right. there with, they were right there with every moment that happened to every Spider-Man, not just with Andrew Garfield, but, you know, the moments where, Toby Maguire's Peter, you know, comes face to face with Doc Ock for the first time. And they're they're kind of re- recalling things that they said to each other in, in Spider-Man to, you know, trying to do better like that sort of, it, it, you know. Yeah. But it's or like I said, it's earned because it draws from years and years of, of you know, of, of emotional scenes that, that we we know and love. Without that, it has nothing. If you've read Spider-Man as well, you know, that is like a pivotal, a pivotal moment in Spider-Man history. Now, granted, they're not, you know, it's Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, that's that's getting the closure here. But he suffered the very similar fate that befalls the Spider-Man in the Marvel comics. And it's a horrific, horrific thing to try and save somebody. And you thought you did it. And oh, turns out that what actually happened is you killed that person. I'm also reminded, I mean, I'm pretty sure if, if he hadn't like tried to catch her with the web, she would have still died. She like, would have died. That was a long <laughs> fall. Like, you know, he, but he learned. Yes. Right. And, and it also reminded me a little bit of, uh, you know, ultimate Peter Parker's last stand in uh, ultimate Spider-Man, where he kind of goes down swinging to, to protect, you know, his family. And the last thing he said, like, you know, he basically dies in MJ's and, and his aunt May's arms. And he, he, as he's dying, he says, you know, I couldn't save uncle Ben no matter what I did, but I saved you. 
So it's mm-hmm. okay. It's a, like I saved you, so I, I'm okay. Right. I think maybe one reason it didn't make my list, and this is just how my brain works. I didn't have it spoiled for me, but uh, Jesse, I don't know if you remember, but uh, and I, I think all you guys know, but Chris Bailey called that like two weeks before the movie oh, yeah. came out. <laughs> when that when that ah. trailer came out, he's like, "Oh, when MJ falls, I bet I bet Garfield catches her." To a certain extent, it doesn't matter if it if it's spoiled or not. I mean, I knew the ending to Watchmen long before I read it, and it was still amazing. It it it's 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 a, a a great moment, but maybe because part of me was anticipating it a little, it didn't it didn't jump out to me. But I mean, there it it, it was a perfect moment. I mean, there's yeah, I, you can't say anything bad about it. Yeah, like, like people notice that oh, it's a, the the Garfield Spider Man suits hand in the trailer that yes. reaches out for for MJ. So yeah, that was kind of but but still the 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 moment afterwards that was that was not that, you know? that 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 was me saying why why maybe I I it didn't immediately jump to mind to me, but I I, I can't criticize the execution of that at all. Right, him him welling up with tears just. Oh, yeah. Well, even even like earlier in the film where they're sort of going over their sort of dark, you know, depressing moment, you know, or the Tobey Maguire, you know, says, you know, I couldn't save my Uncle Ben. And then you have Andrew Garfield. You know, I couldn't save, you know, I couldn't save my MJ. Oh, yeah. Right. I got rage. Thank goodness I didn't get a third movie because who knows who would have died in that one. (laughs) Oh, boy. Benjamin, number one moment for you from Spider-Man No Way Home. My my number one uh, is a little bit. it, it, It. speaks a little bit to nostalgia my number one moment is something that i was expecting but not i was still floored when it happened is the musical cues we talked about this again we talked about this in uh uh, uh long road to ruin there have been some like tremendous talents that, that have worked on you know the the scores for for the various spider-man movies and they brought back the individual like musical stings for ever for uh at like these key moments throughout this movie okay when when spider-man when you know toby spider-man you know uh, at the last possible second heals the sandman and he goes back to and you see thomas hayden church's actual face for the first time which makes me wonder if he did the mocap at all before that or if he was just there that one day that one scene Um, yeah yeah but anyway when that happens you hear you hear the danny elfman spider-man music from 2002 2007 when spider-man 3 came out um the scene that i just mentioned a little while ago with with uh where toby toby spider-man confronts doc ock and they kind of riff on you know their dialogue from spider-man 2 you hear the danny elfman music and it's like it takes you right back to that that point and yeah. they also they also do that when um andrew Gar- andrew garfield's uh, amazing spider-man one was scored by uh james horner it's one of my favorite uh it's it might be my favorite spider-man score over even over elfman's which i know is blasphemy but it it's close when he heals the lizard who was in Ma- the first amazing spider-man you hear the james horner musical stings and you know it 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 takes you right back to that moment when when he's got you know when when you see later on the uh, dialogue you know when they kind of neutralize Electro and he's having you know he's kind of conceded is like okay I'm beaten and he's just ca- having this talk with with Garfield's Peter which is also like the best you know reference but not really yeah. a reference to Miles Morales that I could have hoped for yes uh, <laughs> in this movie it, by the way that got a pop in the theater too so Mark probably might have been you know really <laughs> pissed off 
even ah. that got a pop be- in 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 my theater because a mere mention. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere, right? Yeah, no, the whole theater went ape. It was great. Um, <laughs> but you hear the music from Amazing Spider-Man Two, which actually was was done by Hans Zimmer. You hear a little bit of the notes from that, even. You know, music is a hell of a thing. Like, you know, music can take you back to uh, individual moments in time, and they, they, the way that they did it, and and the even the score in this movie, in this movie that um, Michael Giacchino has done all the MCU Spider-Man movies and a couple of other MCU movies. He's one of their like you know in-house guys, but you know, music can do a lot towards making you feel a certain way and towards making you remember certain things and and towards you know bringing out certain emotions in you. And the way that they juggled. Basically, the last, you know, 18 years of of Spider-Man movies through music even did some really, really incredible things that I'm not sure. I mean, I was looking for it because I was wondering if they were going to do it in the first place. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like an old red red letter media quote. Like, you know, you may not have noticed it, but your brain did. Like, it's one of it's one of those like undercover, like subliminal things where they they knew what they were doing and it worked. I love that. I love it. It's been so long since since I've watched those movies, but I knew enough to go. I bet they're throwing in some music from the other Spider-Man movie, and so I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I'm sharing a roundtable with someone who who was more astute at observing I, that. I, that I will also. I, I will also say for Long Road to Ruin, I watched all of these previous movies very recently, so that's they were, right. They were all kind of in my head, but at least at the very least, that Danny Elfman score, I know it very well. I would. I th- I'd like to think I would have caught it at the you know in the moment whether I had heard it recently or not. Once you know where it pops up, you can never like unhear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty you know it's pretty clear, and they they pick their spots for that very well. I've been wanting to get to go back and and rewatch those mainly because for the longest time, like predating the MCU, Spider Man Two was my favorite comic book movie, and it's been so long since I watched it. It still I'm holds curious. up. I, yeah, I, I I bet it does. I kind of wonder if Homecoming's overtaken it. Maybe I'm getting off on, on a tangent, but those the, those two are, are right up there for me. Maybe, hey, I tell you what, save that, because what we'll do, before okay. we get into our final thoughts, we'll do our rankings. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We'll do all, how many are there, eight Spider-Man movies? Are we counting Spider-Verse? We'll do live action, so we'll stay okay. away from the animated. We'll, we'll do live action. David, uh, you know... I. Any thoughts on the score slash music we got in the in the in the movie? Yeah, like I, I picked up on the D- Danny Elfman music. Uh, I don't remember much of the score to Amazing Spider-Man One. I remember like the the main fanfare for S- Amazing Spider-Man Two, and I, I picked up some of the electro theme in it. But yeah, mm-hmm. other than that, uh, I yeah I didn't really pick up on uh, much else. But no, like I, I thought, yeah, it was it was a good uh, use of that. I kind of wish they had put a bit more of the uh, Spider-Man original animated series, you know, Sting in there. Okay. Yeah, because the previous films sort of had that in there. Yeah, I, 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 totally, I totally can't blame him for not wanting to put the '90s Spider-Man theme in there because that would have been impressive if they had achieved it. Oh no, I would have like I would have lost it if I'd have heard that. Like, <laughs> should have at least <laughs> been in the show. That Joe Perry like guitar solo. That yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I would have yeah. Spider-Man. The music of, of, of my, my, my childhood. My, mine too, even though I didn't love that show, but yeah. Well, all right. So we've went through our top three uh, for, for everyone here. And I mean, look, we love this movie. Was there anything that 
you disliked about the movie or wanted to change? Uh, Evan, we'll start with you. We've already heard uh, some arguments about Uncle Ben, but uh, I mean, I, as for the movie, this this movie right here, what what was there anything that stood out to you that you wanted to change or didn't like? It made total sense in the story. It was handled very well. I didn't like the ending. Okay, all right. Now, are I we mean, talking which which ending are we? Are we talking about the actual that, ending? That that not only did they forget him, but then he didn't he didn't try to make them remember. It makes total sense. I mean, it's it's a Peter Parker thing to do. It made sense in the story. It's certainly a much better way to solve the identity thing than making a deal with the devil. It's still not confirmed yet. We don't know if that's <laughs> Doctor Strange. Okay, well, I, yeah, no, you 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 do you do do have a point. I uh, obviously I'm still not over one more day. <laughs> yeah, can no, I just I'm say that that was really ballsy for them to use one more day as one of the reference materials for this? Ooh. Oh yeah. We're still not sure to what extent they used it. Like I said, whether like Mephisto, that's my fan theory. I don't know if it's anybody else's. My fan theory at this point is that they're just going to not bring Mephisto in just because everybody, I mean, ever since WandaVision, anytime, you know, anybody in Marvel breaks wind, it's like Mephisto. <laughs> I, that, that, that's, that's not directed at you. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing your fan theory. Oh yeah. I, I, I make, whenever I, whenever I say it's Mephisto, I'm just making fun of that, that thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I had that fan theory long before I broke any wind, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I wish I, I could blame I, it on I, the fist. That would solve so many problems. Like I, <laughs> I didn't want to sound like I it, it was ragging on you. I just uh ah. like one division, you know, every you know, anytime someone blinked, it's like, oh, that means the X-Men are coming and Mephisto's pulling the yeah. string. No, um, I get it. I, I I remember that well. Yeah. It should have meant the X-Men were coming. I'll tell yeah. you that much right now. I'm, I've, I've, I've got hurt feelings. I, 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 I don't know. Like, already talking about with you guys, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie, although my brother called me right after I watched it, and he was he was dismayed that I didn't like it. Not dismayed, but he was surprised I didn't like it as much as he did. But, I mean, I, I can't really say there's anything wrong with the movie. I mean, I already grumbled about Uncle Ben, and you guys kind of set, set me straight on that. I Like I said, it, it fits with the story. Early on, they said, you know, you're trying to live two lives. You got to decide whether to be Peter Parker or Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And without saying I choose to be Spider-Man, he chose to be Spider-Man. It makes sense. It was well written. It was well acted. I just, I, I don't know. It's there, a downer there's a to me that j just like my uh, my um, reboot dislike that feels a little like well now everybody forgot everything that happened in these movies. That's not what happened. But that was my knee-jerk reaction. I, yeah. I can't say how they should have done it better. I can't say it, the, that they did it bad, but it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Then yeah. again, if I thought, oh, hey, that's great. Everybody forgot Peter. I'd be missing the point of the movie. So on a smaller scale, you know, watching him walk into the diner and talk to MJ and, you know, you could tell he's at least got a the full intent to go in there and try to make her remember who he is. Right. But it's it's when she brushes her hair back and he sees that Band-Aid and he realizes that was because of him that yeah. she got hurt because of him. And he's just like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I don't yeah. want to, I, I don't want to endanger her life. I don't want to endanger the people around me and him walking off that. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, at that moment. He was Spider-Man, like my Spider-Man. I mm -hmm. hate to use that phrase. Like, oh yeah. Uh, hashtag yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's it's not no, bad. You hashtag it's not not my Spider Man. That's how the internet works. But. That's right. Sorry. It was well done. It's not bad. It's not wrong. I just maybe I just felt bad for Peter. I I don't I don't know. I just uh, that was I, that that was one thing that that didn't sit well with me. I understand completely. But that's uh, the funny thing is all of the things you said are exactly why I love that ending. 
I it's bittersweet because yes, which the thing is like that's I, like you said that's Spider Man in a nutshell, and and it even calls back like a couple you know other movies. It it it, it was almost in a way it was the Spider-Man equivalent to the ending of the dark Knight, where it's like, you know, I, you know, I'm going to make the heroic sacrifice. I'm going to, I'm going to take all of this hardship and all of this pain on myself so that nobody else has to experience it. Well, then I hope that in the fourth film, we don't find out that he just quit right after that. Given what we saw at the very end, it seems like if there's one thing that is not going to stop, it's, it's, uh, it's Spider-Man. If anything, you know, he it, that's the one thing that he's got left and he's going right. to, you know, kind of pour his, you know, every bit of himself into that. What that leads to with, you know, whatever life he's trying to rebuild for himself as Peter Parker, that's probably going to be whatever, you know, the conflict that he's going to experience, which, you know, I look forward to seeing that. I look forward to seeing how they're going to how they're going to make that work out. Something else that gets that has been universally very well portrayed in every incarnation of Spider-Man is that Peter is a genius. Peter is, you know, he, he like infinitely spy, you know, infinitely scientifically inclined, and he's he can build a robot out of, you know, a spam spam and a nine volt battery if he had to. He doesn't always make the most common sense decisions, and some and and this was an example of that. It, it was one of those things where it's like I wish I were smart enough to figure out a better solution than this, but I'm I'm not, mm. and this is the best I can do. And at least every at least this way everybody will be safe and I'm the only one that has to worry about getting hurt and I can handle it. Mm. That's what it seemed like to me, which is 100% Spider-Man as I understand him, as I understand the character to be. So yeah, it's bittersweet. It's sad. You feel bad for Peter, but it's like, yeah, that's totally what, what he would do. David Wright, anything uh, you'd say that you would dis you disliked about the film? I think that this incarnation of the Green Goblin aesthetically just wasn't, that great like they sort of smash the mask and then he just shows up with a torn shirt and uh a hoodie. you know goggles on yeah like <laughs> yeah. I, I i i like it's sort of like we got to see like the the hobo goblin in this in this version <laughs> yeah they, they so. were going with the uh with the weird al yankovic interpretation he's wearing that dumb power ranger mask but he's scarier without it on ah yes yeah, I just kind of wish they'd found a better way of maybe doing a bit of a, a, a an update to to the Green Goblin. Like, I, yeah, like I know I know we're not going to get like a comic accurate costume that just we, would we not could work. have. I, I, I guess I, I've seen the test footage too, and it's incredibly creepy in a great way. But uh, it legitimately just showed up on my Facebook feed today of that because it scared kids so much they decided to change it. Is that correct? It was pretty damn scary looking. Yeah, that matter I, was just the. Yeah, it was not uh, not 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 feasible, I guess. Right. It was it was pretty frightening. So, OK, yeah, I can feel you there, David, in regards yeah. to a lot of people probably criticized that spider, uh, the Spider-Man with the Power Rangers mask that we didn't get enough uh, of him. And of course, you know, he didn't have well, a- his his face is just so expressive. Like, exactly. You know, like, like when you see him just tearing up the scenery without the mask on when he's just doing the golem thing. You know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I know, like, if you watch the film, like, you can kind of see his mouth from the mask, and the the eyes do actually retract into it, so you can see his mm-hmm. eyes. But it's still, it doesn't quite work the same as just being able to have Willem Dafoe like all of his rubber faced awesomeness just just going at it. I'd agree with that. Like, I I'm glad to us to an extent. You know, yeah, the uh, the 
Green Goblin as a costume in this movie was nothing to write home about. It's nothing memorable. But I'm glad they zeroed in on the idea that there's probably there was probably no mask and no prosthetic that you could fabricate that would look more like a goblin than what Willem Dafoe is capable of himself. Right. Um, you know, that was one of my main criticisms even back in 2002 of, of Spider-Man was that you have this guy who has this frightening face and this really expressive face. And he does all when you see him without the mask, he does all of these very goblin and demon like facial expressions. And then you're just going to cover him up with a face mask. Right. And it seems like a waste. And they didn't do that in this movie to its benefit because you 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 get scenes like and we haven't talked a whole lot about the action in this movie but the the action and the fight scenes are fantastic oh my god particularly you know when willem dafoe finally goes full green goblin and is literally like body slamming tom holland through floors of an apartment complex and tom holland's jumping on his shoulders and like punching him full on in the face and he's laughing about it and it's terrifying (laughs) And the, just the look on, on Willem Dafoe's face, it's like, oh, yeah, you made the best decision in the world not covering his face up in this movie. Yeah. He took to this role like it hadn't been 18 years since the last time he did it. And he threw himself into it. And, you know, Willem Dafoe's a fantastic actor in just about anything. He can choose some scenery as as a, as a villain if you, you know, if that's what you want from him. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he did just enough of that in this and why wouldn't you want that? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, right. So I, I, you know, I am all for you know unmasked Willem Dafoe. The the the, the rest of the costume they kind of tried to split the difference between the Green Power Ranger costume and him actually having like you know purple like wearing purple cloth. Mm-hmm. It could have been could have been worse. Could have been better. You're able to forgive it just because how awesome the performance is. I think. Oh yeah, I, I will concede this is a nitpick. Yeah. I agree. Uh, could have been better. Could have been worse. Willem Dafoe is awesome. All right. Good enough. Benjamin, Did I gave you the, uh, you know, this this task to try and pick something out that you dislike. Tell me tell me what you disliked uh, about this movie. Yeah, I don't I don't know how how controversial this is going to be. Um, I did not see May Parker dying. I didn't see that coming at all. And okay. I kind of still kind of question it did if she necessarily had to die in this movie. I understand I understand it be, you know, as a narrative device and as, you know, a thing to spark, you know, Peter into, you know, where his character ends up going and his sort of trajectory and him having his, you know, his moment of do I kill this this person who killed my aunt or not? I get it. I still kind of wonder if it was necessary. I also I also fully understand that in order for the ending that they went with to work, they probably had to kill May because she was the only one that really had significant knowledge of who Peter was before he became Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So wiping that away probably would have felt a little bit too cruel, a, l- a little bit too far. Right. right. I mean, killing her off is cruel and, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, a bit far itself. It makes what happens after that a little bit easier to sort out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like, let's just kill Aunt May because no one's expecting that. We're good writers. <laughs> no, it was actually like thematically important to Peter's growth as a character and the movie itself. Like, you know, they, they did it for good reason. 
I kind of struggle with the idea. I don't know if you guys are comic book guys. I don't know if you're familiar with like the whole uh, women in refrigerators concept. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I kind of go back and forth with whether or not this was that. If it was that sort of egregious, uh, yeah, I don't think it it was because her. I mean, her death and the fact that even as she was dying, she's like, "You can help these people." I mean that that really underscored why he 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 did what he did. I that 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 phrase crossed my mind too. But I I, I think this, this this was more than that. I mean, May's sacrifice made things happen and showed what she stood for and what she passed on to Peter, rather than just being something to to motivate him. Right. I I, I agree. I do agree with that. But there's also like that part at the very end where Peter's like, no, I, j- I just wanted to kill you myself where it's like, <laughs> you know, he's dealing with some heavy issues. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But I, I yeah. do think they sort of wrote themselves into a bit of a corner by not doing uncle Ben from the start. So they kind of, you know, to, to get the ball rolling. She, yeah. She was, she was the only, the only person that could really fill that role as, as, as they were doing that, version of spider-man in the mcu one of the things that surprised me the most was that uh you know i'd I'd experienced these three films from the marvel cinematic universe and then i realized that this was the beginning of spider-man i had to remind myself this is a kid uh this now he's a young man he's trying to get into college and obviously those dreams are now thrown away we had to establish okay this is a beginning for this character. And as much as we came into it uh, thinking that this was going to be the end-all be-all where Spider-Man, Tom Holland Spider-Man smacks down with all of the uh, of the uh, Spider-Man villains that we've seen in the films, that's just the beginning for this kid. The moment in the the coffee shop at the end, like right where he he's about to explain everything to MJ and then just says, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'll just take the drink. Like he just aged you know, like right that into an adult, like you just realize, OK, like, you know, Ned and MJ still look like teenagers. And then Peter, he actually looks like you know, he he's an adult now. He has sort of taken that step into, yeah, like accepting responsibility for the things around him and understanding the importance of sacrifice, exactly. even though you just know that this is chewing him up inside. Yeah. To go back to what Benjamin was saying with with this event with Aunt May, death obviously changes a person. The loss of innocence is probably linked to the death of someone you love. Oh, you lose a lot when someone like that, a, a mother figure for Peter Parker, died in, in his arms. And I'm sure that he is fueled just like this Peter Parker that we usually know from the comics with. At this point, as a young kid, he's probably fueled with rage. We see that in the movie. But he's also probably fueled by guilt. The Aunt May death, it definitely felt necessary to me, at least to if we're going to go and say, okay, this is going, this is not going to be an end. This is going to be a beginning. Then that had to happen. So for me, I actually kind of, when it comes to superhero stuff, I kind of like the idea of a status quo. You know, like uh-huh. I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, yeah, there's the old little old Aunt May at home with Peter sneaking out the window at night. And, you know, <laughs> you got Nelson and Murdoch are, you know, they're still together doing their legal cases while Daredevil goes out fighting crime. And, you know, here's, you know, shield as it originally was running around doing their their secret ops, keeping tabs on everything. Uh, you know, like, and it's just you know, we have these adventures, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, everything's fine. We've learned some things, we've grown a bit, but you know, it's you know, you know, thing things are still sort of 
mostly the way that they they are and the world keeps on turning. But, you know, the MCU, that, that's not the direction they're going with these. They're sort of just taking inspiration from different comic storylines and kind of telling a, a story with a chronology in different eras. Mm-hmm. And, like, I appreciate that. Like, I, I know that's just the nature of what it is. And there, there, there are good reasons for that, in a way. I mean, you know, I'm not sure even Disney has enough money to keep bringing Robert Downey Jr. back at this point. <laughs> <laughs> though, though I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up in some multiverse time travel shenanigans from time to time. But they're doing iron heart he'll be back in that yeah. yeah so uh so yeah but but certainly yeah like as for the utility in the story to make the mcu spider-man into the more classic spider-man at least i think for our generation yeah it, it works and i i totally get it and like i say it it wasn't for shock value it, it was actually to 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 move the story forward in a very important way all right so before we get into final thoughts let's rank let's rank the movies We've got Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. We've got Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And then we have our Spider-Man movies from the MCU. And somebody else could rattle those off better than I can. Somebody, somebody, we got... Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, No Way Home, and Home Alone. No, wait, okay, that home, one was wrong. Home Sweet Home. I mean, I, I would kind of like to see a Spider-Man version of Home Alone. That, that could be pretty fun. <laughs> Pre-powered uh, Sergey Kravinoff and Otto Octavius trying to break into Peter Parker's house on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Say in the there, there's a what if story for you there, Marvel I'd Disney. Put it, put it on the next season. I want to. Apparently, say. it would be a lot better than the actual Home Alone sequel that you did make. So, well, Evan, we'll start with you, buddy. Let's let's hear let's hear your ranking here of are, these. Are we ranking franchises or individual movies? Individual movies, if you. It, if you can. Okay. Well, like I said, I, I, I'm I'm overdue for a rewatch. So for now, I'm going to say it's a tie between Spider-Man 2 and Homecoming. Okay. Um, Spider-Man 2 just, I mean, felt like everything I expected from a comic book movie, but, uh, you know, hadn't gotten yet. And Homecoming, I, I may have said it earlier, didn't look like any other Spider-Man movie we'd seen. And yet it just told a perfect Spider-Man story. Okay, so that's um, your top. That that's that's my that's my top one. Okay, or, but my top two. Th- those two are tied. Got it. I'd I'd probably put the the original the 2002 Spider-Man right after that. I mean, maybe there's some parts that that haven't aged well, but just for its historical significance, I guess I would probably put that one next. I'd probably go. Um, may sound sound weird after I've gushed, but but as of right now, I'd probably put Far From Home and then No Way Home. I, as as awesome as a lot of the moments were in No Way Home, I I was trying to explain this when I was talking about about it to, to my brother. It felt like Homecoming and Far From Home just told this full out Spider Man story in in the MCU, whereas this one, even though it told a good story, and even I've gone back on the parts that I didn't like and said they made sense, it felt like there were a few boxes they they wanted to to check off and some some things they had to do that it sounds weird as much stuff as they put into this but that kind of constrained the story in a way like like they had a a goal for the ending whereas the other two it just seemed to go wherever the story took them mm-hmm. if, okay. if that if that that makes any sense like, i mean yeah. I, I, I enjoyed this movie thoroughly but but i don't know, i I'd, I'd give far from home slight edge and then um Probably Amazing Spider-Man. I thought it was good, but I was still, you know, the whole throw the baby out with the bathwater thing didn't make sense. 
it's like, okay, Spider-Man 3 was bad, so let's remake Spider-Man 1 and 2. Let's not say with great power comes great responsibility, because that would be too much like the Raimi movies, but let's make sure to have everybody in New York cheering him on, which was, you know, straight out of the Raimi movies, not the comics. I thought Amazing Spider-Man was good, but largely unnecessary. And then I, d- I don't know where you go with Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2, because, I mean, again, okay, Spider-Man 3 was bad, so let's remake 1 and 2. Now for Amazing Spider-Man 2, let's do all the stuff people didn't like about Spider-Man 3. Let's put too many characters, too much story, questionable musical numbers. Let's just, you know, do all that over. (laughs) So I I feel like Amazing Spider-Man 2 was probably a slightly better movie, but clearly I I still have some reservations. So I might give Spider-Man 3 a slight edge. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like they could potentially swap on whatever day you're feeling it. Um, Okay, all right. David, give us your ranking there, buddy. Okay, so I'm going to go from worst to best here. Okay. So no surprises, worst Spider-Man 3. I don't think anyone has to explain that at this point. <laughs> it's, it's been well documented and dissected. From there, I'd probably go with, it's almost like neck and neck, yeah, Far From Home and Homecoming. Uh, okay. I mean, they're like, as movies, they are good. It's just that sort of version of Spider-Man just doesn't click for me. Like, okay. it, you know, w- without the whole great power responsibility thing, it's it, it, it goes a bit flat. Mm-hmm. So. Then from there, I'd watch, yeah, I I might stick Amazing Spider-Man 1 before them, the second, second worst. Okay. Then I'd go Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, it, the movie has a lot of problems, big problems, but also when it when it works, it works really good. The, the cheesy scene with like Spider-Man chasing down Paul Giamatti doing a terrible Russian accent, you know, making quips, you know, like that, that, that is Spider-Man to me, like the, the mm. Peter Parker stuff, not so much. Again, the, the the chemistry between uh, you know Andrew Andrew Garfield and was it Emma Stone is you know just it, it it saves the film in many ways, and I even have to give some credit for as horrible as their incarnation of uh, you know Green Goblin Junior. Them having to retroactively sell you on the relationship between Peter and Harry for the first thirty minutes of that film, like the actors really. They, they, they managed to kind of pull it off. You know, mm-hmm. despite not seeing this guy in, in a previous film, you, you kind of feel like these guys are old friends and are really close. And, and, uh, you know, when it falls apart, it falls apart bad. Yeah. And then like, you know, people complain about the Jamie Foxx electro thing, not being accurate to the comics, but from what I understand of the comics, he's just like a bank robber who has electric powers. So, you <laughs> Correct. know, yeah, Correct. like nobody seems, nobody seems to complain when they had you know bank robber who uses a freeze ray turned into is a scientist trying to find a cure for his you know wife's terminal illness. You know, we, it seems to be okay when Batman comes up with better, uh, better origin stories for their villains. But apparently, if Spider Man does it, uh, then it's it's sacrilege. <laughs> but uh, I I digress. So you know that one, it, it kind of edges itself out a little bit from from the others, and uh, then I'd probably go Spider Man two. Like the original okay. Spider-Man 2. I mean, I, I know that's a lot of people's favorite. And yeah, Melina nails Doc Ock. And I I mean, I, I knew like the moment I saw I finished watching the first Raimi Spider-Man film that, you know, we're going to do Peter gives up being Spider-Man. We're going to see him walking down the alley in the rain with the spider suit hanging out of a dumpster. And I was right. The, the whole I've lost my powers because I'm sad. And then, oh, they're back now thing just never really seemed to work. It was, you know, it's almost like watching Rocky 2 with Adrian. I won't let you fight. And then I woke up from my coma. You better fight now. Like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm not sure what exactly led you to this decision other than brain damage. But OK. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the Doc Ock stuff was good. And, you know, like, you know, it's, it's Sam Raimi. You know, he's, he's, he's always 
he's got a good handle on sort of the original era spider-man as i see it then i'd put uh, spider-man one because again it was pretty much a pitch perfect you know like toby Maguire, i think just nailed peter parker and they sort of did a good job of bringing the sort of spider-man aesthetic from my childhood to the screen you know jk simmons is perfection as j jonah jameson and he he gets a lot of good stuff to do you know willem dafoe's first outing as the green goblin again he just you know nails it for all the reasons that we just said yeah uh, i mean yeah the, the the mary jane love story focal point of the film was kind of a bit off but it didn't ruin it in the end and then at number one, I'd actually probably put uh, No Way Home. Wow. As much as it leans on a lot of the, the other films, but I just think, you know, it, it retroactively fixes some of the issues with the previous films. I mean, yeah, there is the fangasm seeing Garfield and Maguire again being Spider-Man and uh, and the way it, it really elevates Tom Holland's Spider-Man to to you know, the Spider-Man I wanted to see. And it does that all really well while smashing with the MCU. And it, it really shows off what Holland can do in the role when he's he's given the heavy lifting to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it has me interested in seeing where where the MCU Spider-Man is going to go from here. All right, Benjamin. Oh man, this is like this is like yeah, asking half, half the problem is remembering all the movies. <laughs> you know, this is like if I had Jesse on a podcast that I was hosting and I asked him to choose which child he likes more. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how I'd BS my way <laughs> yeah. through that one. Well, you, oh. you can probably knock Spider-Man 3 off the list. Uh. So, yeah, get it to get it out of the way, yeah, Spider-Man 3 is at the bottom of the list. I was re-watching Spider-Man 3. I think it was the first time I had ever watched Spider-Man 3 in its entirety since the first time I saw it in the theater. That's how much I disliked that movie. Um, I, too, have only ever seen it once. But I, but I came to the realization that Spider-Man 3, um, I am 100% with that movie until minute 34. And it is the first time you see Telfer Grace as uh, Eddie Brock. Not because I have anything against Eddie Brock as a character, even though he's kind of a nothing character. Not that I have anything against Telfer Grace as, as an actor, but the way he shoehorns himself into the scene that he first appears in is an indication that it is all downhill from there. <laughs> if you go back and watch that movie, which why would you ever go back and watch that movie? But if you ever go back and watch that movie, that is the exact moment where that movie starts hitting the skids. Everything before that, I'm 100% on board with it. Sandman's origin is incredible. The effects are beautiful. You know, the conflict and the drama with the, you know, the black costume and with, with between Peter and MJ is actually somewhat engaging up until this point in the movie where it all starts going downhill. Anyway, that's enough uh, about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> the two Amazing Spider-Man movies are next. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 uh, comes after Spider-Man 3. You know, you get to see some of Andrew Garfield's personality as Spider-Man, and he's a little bit funnier than Tobey Maguire was which is important. I, that was one thing about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man that I don't think they got to do enough. Not that I don't think Tobey Maguire is capable of it. They just It just didn't come through as much as it could have and should have. Yeah, my and, quick summary is uh, Maguire was the better Parker. Garfield was the better Spider-Man. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus. Um, that seems to be, you know, the good shorthand for it. And maybe that just comes down to the script. I don't know. But, uh, Quite possibly. Uh, also, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 had, of course, the better Spider-Man costume, 
which I will beat that drum till the day I die. I really did not like the Amazing Spider-Man 1 costume. I really, really didn't like that costume. Amazing Spider-Man 2 costume was very close to perfect. Very close to as perfect as you can imagine uh, a live-action Spider-Man costume being. Until we saw the last mm, 45 seconds of Spider-Man No Way Home, which kind of casts that into doubt now. We'll see what happens with subsequent Spider-Man movies. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, also had like one of my favorite you know moments in any live action Spider-Man movie. I talked about this on, on Long Road to Ruin. Um, Spider-Man helping you know you know helping the walking the kid home after he got bullied and, and fixing a science project. That was eight year old me, and I will always this movie will always have a special place in my heart because of that scene and the scene at the end where he comes up where he pops up again. So I don't give that movie a whole lot of crap, if nothing else, for those scenes. Uh, Then the MCU movies, Far From Home is kind of in the middle. The imagery is great. You know, Mysterio as a villain is something I've always wanted to see. I'm glad they, they were able to do it at a time where the special effects could support the type of villain that Mysterio is. The MCU has the benefit of probably some of the strongest villains of any of the Spider-Man franchises as far as the you know how they're portrayed. Mysterio is an awesome villain in the comics, and he was an awesome villain in this movie. Homecoming comes after that. Things that they did with the Vulture in this movie almost surpass the comics with how he is and how important he is and how interesting he is as a bad guy. Yeah. Also, the imagery in Homecoming, of course, like, you know, the Spider-Man, you know, Peter lifting the impossible to lift uh, wreckage to save himself to go, you know, after the villain. That's always going to be kind of a, uh, you know, a special place for me. Then we get to No Way Home. No Way Home is probably by far my favorite MCU Spider-Man movie. It has the it's a sentimental favorite. It brings it brings the nostalgia, but it also has a good story on its own. It brings back <laughs> J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, which in all of these movies, they never even attempted to recast J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they didn't even try. There was no way. Like when it I saw the that fr- obvious. When I saw the original Spider-Man in 2002, I was like, that I don't believe that was J.K. Simmons. I think they found the real J. Jonah Jameson and got him to play himself. That was how <laughs> good he was as that character. And I was proven right 20 years later by <laughs> the fact that, you know, they brought him back. And then, Big you know, that, whoever figured out that, hey, Daily Wire and Daily Bugle both have daily in the starting them. Yeah, <laughs> something like real quick, like, you know, the uh, Alex Jonesification of J. Jonah Jameson was was kind of a stroke of genius, I think. And I mentioned this in the chat earlier today uh, when we were talking about this a little bit uh, off, you know, recording to the point where, like, you know, Alex Jones kind of lost his shit last week because of, you know, because he found out how he, you know, how Jameson was portrayed in this movie. And it hit a little bit too, it hit a little bit too close to home for him, I guess. Down to the fact that, you know, uh, in in No Way Home, Jameson is, uh, you know, promoting, like, supplements, you know, doing ad breaks for supplements. Oh, it's funny. For, like, male enhancement. Which was really funny because while Alex Jones was complaining about this on his show, he did an ad break in the middle of him <laughs> complaining about it, which is like event horizon for lack of self-awareness, I think. <laughs> if anybody hasn't heard that, check that out. Or if you're averse to listening to his show, which I don't blame you, 
just listen to Knowledge Fight podcast. They deconstruct Alex Jones' show on a regular basis. They're very good, and I highly recommend them. Uh, anyway, the last two are the two Sam Raimi movies. First, Spider-Man 1, which is a sentimental favorite for me, and then Spider-Man 2 has to be number one because objectively, I think it's the best movie that really gives you what Spider-Man is down to, you know, from beginning to end. Um, and yeah, they they leaned on the, you know, the imagery and they leaned on the, the storyline of Spider-Man quitting, you know, Spider-Man No More, which is a comic book I have on my wall, which is, you know, that's how much I love that story. Yeah, like I wasn't complaining. Like, it's it's a good story. It's just kind of a downer. And, you know, I, oh, yeah, I like, but, like things to be upbeat. But yeah, the downer, you know, the downer stuff is to a certain extent, you kind of expect that with with the type of character that Spider-Man is and the type of character that, you know, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and John Romita gave us during those formative years, during those first 10, 20 years of, you know, his existence. That's kind of his thing. One, either Peter Parker wins and Spider-Man loses or Spider-Man wins and Peter Parker loses. That's kind of the the theme and and, and the trajectory of, of the character. Um, you know, some to every once in a while, they both end up coming out on top. But it's it's fleeting. It happens rarely and it's meant to happen rarely so that when it does happen, you really like it really gets you. It really, you know, it really hits a spot that that's unfamiliar and that's like uncommon. If it happened all the time, it wouldn't mean anything, I guess. That's how, you know, that's how I feel about it, which yeah. is also like, you know, the end of Spider-Man 2 where like, you know, he he defeats the bad guy and he thinks he's, you know, he loses the girl. And then it turns out he, you know, he actually gets the girl, too. And and. Mary Jane, you know, leaves her husband at the altar to go in and see him. That would suck if I was John Jameson, but you know, right. other than that, <laughs> other than we that, our chance for a man wolf movie, wow. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's ostensibly a happy ending, or as happy an ending as you're likely to see in a Spider Man movie. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go through the. <laughs> Through through the pain to get to the get to the happy ending. That's and you, know, you need you need a, you know, there's no triumph without adversity or something like that. Yeah, and and there's also the thing that we don't like to, that we try not to think about too much was which is how much Spider Man three pulled that ending through a cheese grater. Mm. Uh, mm. But uh, you know, in a vacuum by itself, that's as you know that's as perfect a Spider Man movie as you're gonna see in terms of getting the, all of the characters as close to how they are familiar and how they you know how we understand them as possible so that kind of has to be my number one you know sentimentally spider-man one is my favorite because that speaks to eight-year-old me but you know objectively spider-man 2 is probably at the top of the list for me so that's my long-winded way of saying that i love it i love it all right well evan bevins we're going to start with you buddy well anything left unsaid for you sir i I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm kind of already wanting to to go back and and watch it again uh, after hearing your guys' thoughts on it because uh, you made, made me think about it in in some some different ways. And I'm already starting to soften on on some of the the issues I have with it. Which I mean, I, I hate to even even call them issues. I mean, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I I think it's going to be fun to revisit it. All right, very good, David Wright, sir. You, anything left unsaid for you, man? Not a whole lot. I think I pretty much covered everything I could think of and then some. I mean, you kind of squeezed in a long road to ruin at the end of this one. So uh, well done you, sir. <laughs> I salute you. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah. But I think, but yeah, like I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I wish it was streaming sooner so that I could actually watch it with my folks for the holidays here. But uh, 
we'll, we'll have to wait that wait for that another time. And yeah, like it's it's a good one. It's they they managed to just combine sort of all the best of of the Spider-Man movies and kind of just elevate them all together. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see where where this it's going to go from here. Okay, all right, Benjamin J. Cologne, you have the floor, sir. Anything left unsaid? Yeah, uh, just my final thoughts. I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I I've seen this movie twice, which people are amazed that I've only seen it twice so far. My <laughs> my older nephew's got me beat. He's seen it at least four times. He wanted to see it a fifth time with me again. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God bless him. Uh, <laughs> the second time I saw this, I just came back from vacation in Florida, and that's where all my nieces and nephews live. The second time I saw this was with them. And my older niece, she's 23 now, uh, she grew up with all of these same Spider-Man movies and she was a little bit younger than I was growing up with them. But she remembers them all. And I made it a point I wanted to sit with her while we were watching this one. And, you know, we had such a great time watching, you know, I'm sure I was bugging the crap out of her with, you know, from time to time, like elbowing her and saying, you know, watch this, watch for this, watch for that, listen for this, listen for that. But at the end, I told her this movie was a love letter to us to me who i've you know been a spider-man fan all my life and to her who you know grew up watching these movies from the time that you know she was barely old enough to understand what they were and um you know that was important to me so this movie hit me in the nostalgia in more than more ways than one and it was one more thing that i was able to share with you know my family so you know that's even better uh, right. even better than it than than it could have been all right well let's go ahead and get into plugs we'll, we'll just keep it in the same order we've been doing here This would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. Evan Bevins, you get to go first, sir. What what would you like to plug? Uh, Asterisk51.blogspot.com. Uh, as we were starting this, I just uh, uploaded my uh, musings on End of Days, which I watched for, I think, the first time since way back in 1999, and my opinion remained largely unchanged. But, but I won't <laughs> spoil it for you. Get, go, go to the website and check it out. All right. Uh, got anything going on with support group? Um, it's it's still out there um, on uh, webtoons.com. Good heavens. That's that's the webcomic I write about a support group for people with lame superpowers. Um, I need to uh, I need to get get back on that. The first two issues are, are, are available. David Wright, sir, what would you like to plug? Okay, well, starting in the new year, it's death by streaming because like everyone's released tons of stuff on streaming for me to review. So we'll be doing uh, Lost in Space season seven, the Netflix series, or not season seven, season what? three. Wait the final a second. Season. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's because it's on January seventh. Yeah, yeah, we're recording January seventh. That's where I Got messed it. up. So apologies for the confusion there. But that's the first one. Then, then I believe after that uh, I'm going to do Cobra Kai season four. Yes, season four. Oh. That's correct this time. Yes. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how many people 
come out of the woodwork for that one. Uh, I think it's a Witcher season two after that. Then I believe we're doing tripped up trivia for video games to give me That's a break. Right. Yeah. And then we're, I think we're wrapping up the month with uh, a Gretzko season four, which is also correct and not the final season. Thank goodness. Other than that, uh, this year, I think we did uh, three uh, Star Trek retrospective uh, shows. So we looked at the Star Trek movies, the first part being all the original series, Kirk and crew films. And the second part, uh, Robert and I looked at the Next Generation movies. And then we rounded out, uh, I think, in uh, November with the Kelvin Timeline films. So if you guys haven't looked into that and think you might be interested, feel free to give those a listen in the archives. All right, Benjamin J. Cologne, sir, you have the floor with your plugs. Yeah, uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for letting me get some of this stuff out of my brain. Uh, <laughs> I don't get to talk about this with a whole lot of people. so Yeah, these podcasts is... are half therapy sessions. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. I Yes, they certainly are. Yeah, my only plugs are, you know, I am Epic Benjamin J on all of the things. That includes uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, and YouTube. And uh, soon, you know, hopefully if I can rebuild the uh, Twitch audience that I've lost over the past six months, um, I'll hopefully be able to start a Discord uh, community of some sort eventually. But, uh, you know, you can look for me at Epic Benjamin J on all of the things. I also want to, I don't know when this is going to officially come out, but I'm doing something for, uh, I, I'm planning on jumping back on Twitch for New Year's Day. I'm going to, you know, do some Sketchbook Saturday stuff for New Year's Day. And I also am going to uh, finally continue to work on the uh, Sinister Six artwork that I've been working on. I, I've been trying to do an individual, uh, individual six Sinister Six portraits. I've done Electro. That came out very nice. I'm trying to finish Mysterio, which I started months ago that I've unfortunately let fall by the wayside. I had a doc, Dr. Octopus drawing that I've done in pencil that I left in my mother's house in Florida for months mm. that I have finally recovered. I was just in Florida last week and I made it a point to get that picture and I have it now and I plan to finish it Finally, I may even try to work on it some on New Year's Day. So if you if uh, you haven't seen it live, you can see it in the Twitch archive, uh, twitch.tv slash Epic Benjamin J. So please look for that. OK, listen, if you have the opportunity, make sure to check out all the W2Mnet.com shows. Uh, we have all sorts of stuff ranging from uh, there's t there's talks about anime. There's talks about video games. And, of course, the Radulich and Broadcasting shows where we have Damn You Hollywood. We have TV Party Tonight. We have Source Material Comics Podcast. We got Unspoken Issues, your 90s-centric comics podcast. Uh, talking about Carnage, well, you will probably be airing here next week, maybe shortly after this episode airs. Uh, it's myself, Dean Compton of the Unspoken Decade, and our good buddy, Derry Waite, chiming in on the first Carnage arc. So it's 361, 362, and 363 of Amazing Spider-Man. So if you dig Spider-Man, you want to learn about where maybe Carnage came from and his first interaction with Spider-Man, listen, Carnage throws a baby out the window, okay? That happens in this Marvel comic, and it is fantastic. Good stuff. Uh, it is. It really, really is. Not uh, so the act of throwing a baby out the window. <laughs> no, it's a it, it's a great story. So, yeah, check that out. Keep an eye out for that. That should be popping up here pretty soon. Of course, uh, David mentioned Tripped Up Trivia, uh, where we have a monthly trivia session. It's uh, myself and Alexis Hanna sitting down and 
usually it's a theme every month. December, we had Christmas. Uh, what, what was it? Christmas movies, Christmas carols, and Christmas traditions. So that was the trivia we set up. And uh, lo and behold, it was Jason Teasley. It was David Wright. We had uh, Amber Teasley on there and Mark Radlich. And before we jump out of here, I do want to thank every single one of you guys for coming on to this podcast tonight, spending well over two hours with me to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Can't thank you enough. This has been the roundtable for Spider-Man No Way Home. I am Jesse Starcher for Evan Bevins, for Benjamin J. Cologne, for David Wright. We are out of here. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure to give that Rattelich in Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon yeah i guess they're going to do venom next yeah again. so i i, <laughs> I did kind of want to throw that out there you know anybody have any i mean we'll start with you david i mean we saw that we saw the stinger yeah. at the end we see we see uh what uh, I, okay listen i didn't participate much in the stuff i didn't like about this movie and i will tell you that i didn't like that <laughs> i wanted him to be much more of a part of this than what he was but i understand what we're doing here so yeah the venom symbiote is left on the counter after he gets disappeared um or returned back to wherever he was what what, what are you thinking david what do you think is going to happen here buddy yeah well first of all i have not seen either of the venom movies which is Same. probably if to the benefit of myself, but uh, yeah, from what I've from what I've heard, like uh, yeah, Tom Hardy does a good does a, he plays a good role. Yeah, again, yeah, I heard about the post credit scene from Venom, Let There Be Carnage, him being brought into the MCU, and, and yeah, it was just kind of yeah, he he didn't show up at all. You would kind of ex- would expect that you know, he would fill in like the last slot on the villain team. Yeah, you know, Venom. Yeah, would, why weren't there would, six? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You left it right on the table there, guys. And oh uh, uh, yeah, that killed me. Yeah, I was, and, I, was and, hoping, and, yeah. I was, I was praying for the vulture to make an appearance just to make it six, man. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, hey, that they're going to do more of these, so I guess you know there's still opportunity. What would be interesting is if they do their own MCU version of these villains. You know, we'll get the MCU version of Venom. We might get the MCU version of Doc Ock in some way, or the Lizard, or you know, who who, who knows? But uh, but yeah, like that scene, it was just so throwaway. And yeah, like if you haven't seen any of the Venom movies, you're just like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, and, no and, and, and and if you've seen the Venom movies, you're like, wait, that's it? Yeah, yeah. yeah he just stayed at a bar and then he zapped back. Uh, like yeah, other than leaving a piece of the symbiote behind that was that was just kind of it it's telling that this is the first time we've talked about it in the entire podcast yeah, yeah. My, my, so, I was how, just how say, did my, he my, get there i think it was just uh, part of the spell know spider-man exists so how would he know well i mean i haven't seen let there be carnage i saw the first one um i think the only time chase. i'm pretty certain the only time that spider-man makes an appearance and and let there be carnage is at the end when he's on the tv after he gets zapped into the MCU universe or the MC universe. Yeah. Uh, we're meant so to, there's no we're, way that he would have known who that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, which was the whole impetus for the right. spell. Yeah. My understanding is the Venom movies don't make any sense. So in this case it is they're, they're maintaining <laughs> consistency here. 
it, right. it is implied, and I think somebody, I think somebody related to the movie. I don't remember if it was uh, anybody that worked on Let There Be Carnage. Just, just you know, released something in an interview about this like a day or two ago. It's implied that like Eddie Brock himself didn't recognize Peter, but the symbiote did. The symbiote also has like a throwaway line in in one of the movies where he says like he has knowledge of you know thousands of different universes and different realities. Which, uh, if you're watching any either of those two Venom movies, you're not paying a whole lot of attention to what the you know to what people are saying, because for various reasons you're not led to believe that they're saying anything of substance. So you might have missed that, uh, but apparently it was important. And apparently that last scene in Let There Be Carnage, where Venom gets uh, transported into the MCU universe briefly, apparently John Watts directed that and uh kind of set up what what it was supposed to be it ended up being not a whole lot of anything mm. uh yet which okay. remain, remains to be seen what it leads to yeah probably top three pops for my 11 year old son caleb was uh tom hardy and venom sitting at the <laughs> at the bar uh, he really dug that because he's watched both of those films and really likes uh the venom films anyway uh, tom hardy is venom is kind of like andrew garfield as spider-man i like the performance i just didn't care for the movie just yeah yeah right. he deserves better yeah agreed Come on,